Lord, I thank you for Chuck. I thank you for your faithfulness in his life. I thank you for the things that you have put on his heart to share from your word this morning. And I just pray for your anointing over his words and anointing over your words as he teaches and preaches this morning. We thank you that you continue to reveal yourself to us through your words and your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. How is everyone this morning? Great. Did I hear great? Great. Okay, good. Well, uh, this morning I'm bringing the message um, from Acts 12. So we're back in Acts. Um, But before we get there, um, I have a question for everyone. Let me see if I can pull this out. Does everybody want to know what this is? Passport. How many of you have a passport? Good. Um, Oh, Kendra's not here. I was going to have her take notes in case we have a mission trip overseas. Um, But um, over the years, I've seen this document that's in my hand, or documents like it. Open doors. Give people tremendous privilege. When I was in college, I had the opportunity to uh, travel to the Middle East, and this document got me through checkpoints quickly. I still remember the one day we were coming back from the Hope School in Bethlehem, and uh, our driver, who was a Palestinian, had a British passport. He kept his British passport because it gave him favor. But he told us, whip out your American passport. They'll wave us through. Guess what happened? We whipped him out, and they waved us through. Now, this is a new passport for me. Um, my trip to the Middle East was years ago. But if I had my old passport, you wouldn't see a stamp from Israel in it. reason why is sometimes when you went to the border, into another country, they would open it up and say, what country were you in? Because that passport isn't favored. That mark is not favored uh, in the world. Some countries still today don't recognize the state of Israel. I also had another experience when I was actually in Europe. It was interesting. We were on a train. I was on with a friend. And the conductor came down. We were transferring between uh, Italy and Austria. And I want to pull out my passport for the conductor to, to see it at the border. And to my surprise, I barely got it out. They barely could see the logo, and they waved us on. I never had to show the passport between those two borders. But today I want to talk about favor that's not designed in papers. It's more valuable than any papers we can get. It's really the favor of God. We're living in unprecedented times. But we're not the first Christians to experience disease, death, and persecution. Over the past years, Over the past months, throughout our nation, we've heard the talk about privilege and how some people 
are extended privilege, a level of privilege, just because of who they are. I'm reminded of Samuel when he anointed David. The Lord told him, don't consider his appearance or his height. God doesn't look at the things we look at. People often look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. As believers, we walk a journey equipped with scripture. We read, hear, and sometimes we even have the opportunity to experience meeting fellow believers that because of God's favor on their lives, they've had amazing experiences. I can remember meeting with Chinese pastors who were part of the first graduating class of the Christian seminary. Around the time Chinese churches resumed worship after the Cultural Revolution in China. Can you imagine going to school for an occupation that you're not even sure is going to be legal? Or for those that are sending your kids off to college, can you imagine supporting them or funding their education? to an illegal college or university? I'm seeing head shake, no, not going there. In China, the practice of religion continues to be tightly controlled by the government authorities. But the pastor I met has had the opportunity to build additional churches in his region. And he didn't just stop there. I was firsthand witness to him challenging the local officials in regards to the house church, underground church movement. Still remember standing there and him talking to one of the local officials. I happened to be in the room at the time with my interpreter. And the local official said, what are we gonna do about these house churches? They're illegitimate. They're not right, they're illegal. pastor's solution was very simple. Give them legitimacy. Because there's not enough room in my church. We're already full. We all have been given undeserved privilege, not because of who we are, but because of who we follow. As we walk in alignment with God's plan, there sits his promises. And for each of us, these are different because we're connected to different parts of his plan. In the midst of these uncertain times, people have become uncertain. Is there any surprise that the world looks different today? I still remember back to June 8th, 2019. We welcomed the Holy Spirit into this region. And we asked him to change the way we live and the way we worship. So is there any surprise 
that things look different today. During these uncertain times, sometimes leaders do things to become politically popular. This is no different, this was no different during the time of the early church. Political figures were ready to persecute the Christians to make themselves popular. So today we're going to unpack James is martyred and Peter set free. Herod Agrippa continued the legacy of his family, attempting to please Rome while appeasing the Jewish people. As he stretched out his hands to harass the early church, Herod kills James, the brother of John, to gain favor with the Jews. And when he saw this was pleasing to the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter. So first, the death of the apostle James. And Herod killed James, the brother of John, with his sword. The early church was formed and founded on Pentecost in Jerusalem. But this is a new development in the life of the church. Of the, of the 12 apostles, James becomes the first martyr. Up until now, the followers of Jesus, the Messiah, have been on a streak, experienced one conversion after the other. I mean, think about it. Saul of Tarsus, blinded. Damascus Road Encounter. We still talk about the Damascus Road Encounter. But blinded. Cornelius, the centurion, was saved. And the movement among non-Jewish believers in Antioch. The followers of Jesus were first known as Christians in Antioch. According to the scriptures in Acts, this Christian community began when believers fled Jerusalem because of persecution. This created tension among the Jews, and the opposition raised its head in the form of King Herod. Sometimes it just feels like once we're getting started, once things are going right, the devil wants to steal our joy. He wants to take it away. He wants to take away our victory. James was certainly not the first Christian to die. Stephen became the first martyr. But the death of James shatters the image that somehow the 12 enjoyed a certain divine protection. Jesus had already warned the disciples that there would be doubts. There was promise, not a protection, but a persecution for following him. But why is James killed and Peter delivered from the hands of Herod? At times, it is not for us to understand. We need to rest in the promises of God. 
the scriptures actually tell us more. In Matthew, it tells us that the mother of Zebedee's sons, James and John, came to him, came to Jesus, and requested positions of authority for her two sons. One to sit on the right, and one to sit on the left in the kingdom. Jesus' reply was, you don't realize what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup of suffering that I'm about to drink? James and John's response was, we are able. Jesus' response was, you indeed will drink the cup. But to sit on my right and left is not for me to prepare, not, not for me to decide. That place has been granted to those that the Lord prepared for it. Were these scriptures foreshadowing of the martyrdom of James? A fulfillment of James's rightful place in the kingdom as he walked in alignment of God's plans and purposes? There was no attempt to replace James as there was to replace Judas. That's because James died a faithful martyr's death, and Judas betrayed Jesus. Therefore, there was no need for another. Because Herod saw that it pleased the Jews and increased his popularity, he sought to improve his ratings. And when you do that, polls, ratings, he sought to improve his ratings through imprisoning Peter. Please note that there's a significant difference between the persecution of the Christians by Saul and the efforts of Herod. Saul persecuted out of a sincere religious conviction, though misguided. It was his religious conviction. Herod persecuted, persecution was purely for political motives. The release of Peter from prison, and suddenly an angel appeared, and a light shone in the place where he was, and the angels smite Peter on the side and awakened him, saying, get up quickly, and the chains fell from his hands. The angel hit him. How would you like to be waking up like that? Sometimes I want to wake my kids up like that. But the angel hit him. In Acts 12, 5, it is recorded that fervent prayer was being offered up by the assembly, by the church, during these times. Let us not forsake meeting together as believers for worship and instruction. James was martyred and Peter rescued. For reasons, the reasons God does such things or doesn't do such things, sometimes are only known to God. 
But in regards to Peter, I'm not sure it was his time. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus speaks of Peter being old. When you are old, you will stretch out your hands. The words of Jesus recorded in the scripture often reveal a portion of his plans and purposes that he has for us. Peter's great escape. The angel shows up and says, first, tighten your belt, bind your sandals. Why? Is it going to be a bumpy ride? This wasn't 007 going to shoot their way out of prison. It surely wasn't MacGyver. Here's a pack of chewing gum, two paper clips, see what you can do with it. Peter was told to follow. I can't imagine in the prison that he was social distancing at all. He was chained to somebody, probably. How did these people not know? But he was told to follow by the angel. He passed the first guard. He passed the second guard through the iron gate onto the streets. It seemed to be too easy. And Peter thought, I must be seeing a vision. Remember, the assembly was praying fervently. We're not told what they were praying. We're not told, you know, they may have been praying rescue Peter. They may have been praying, if Peter's going to get his head cut off, make it go quick. We don't know what they were praying. We don't know if they prayed for James as well. But can you imagine it being a prayer that just nags for an answer? In praying, there are elements of patience and perseverance for God to answer. In other words, God will answer in his time. It is not, but our job is just to keep praying. But nevertheless, prayer involves effort. It's an investment in time and energy. It's about partnering with God for outcomes. When we take the time to pray, God promises to show up. Recently, my wife and I have been reading a book. Actually, she reads it to me, um, which is always interesting. Um, hopefully, I don't fall asleep too often. But uh, she reads it to me. It's called Two Chairs. Um, the Secret to Changing Everything by Bob Budine. It has challenged me to recognize that God wants to meet with us. He wants to meet with me. He wants me to put out those two chairs, one for me, one for him. Once we meet with God, we discover something amazing. We find out he does more than just listen to you. He has plans and plans to prosper you, to prosper me. 
to give me hope and always sheds light on a great future. But to know his plans, we need to stop, listen. Prayer is not a faith thing. It's a God thing. Peter presents himself. When he, at a glance, became aware of this, he went out, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where a large gathering were assembled together and were praying. In Acts 12, 9, it is recorded that Peter thought the appearance of the angel was a vision. Even after, even after the iron gate swung open on its own accord, can you imagine? Whether that gate opened on its own accord or you pushed it open, that's got to be noisy. So, we're bearing witness to Peter seeing the first automatic doors. Jesus rele- God released his chains that bound, God releases chains that bind us. And he opens doors that imprison us. First, Peter needed to confirm for himself that he was free. And then he hightailed it out of there before they realized he was gone. Peter went to the house of Mary and knocked on the porch gate. A servant by the name of Rhoda, came to answer, recognized Peter's voice, and in her joy, fails to open the gate. Can you imagine? Being Peter, I'm a fugitive from justice. I'm this close to getting off the street, and my rescuer runs away. Or could you imagine being Rhoda? Hey, guys, the person that you've been praying for just showed up at the door. You're crazy. The pastor says that they told her she was crazy or it had to be his angel. What were they praying for? Have you ever prayed for something so long? that when it's answered by God, it's hard to believe. I've been there. God, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. But in the meantime, Peter kept knocking. And when they finally, when he finally gets off the street, good thing no one came along, but when they finally opened the gate, they saw him and they were amazed. God judges Herod. And at once the angel of the Lord smite him and cut him down because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and died. 
It's interesting. This account is also in the works of Josephus. Josephus is a Jewish historian. So it's not just a biblical account. It's a, history, it's a historical account by a Jew. So I find it interesting that Josephus has it in his works uh, that, um, that uh, King Herod was struck down, died, eaten by worms. Doesn't sound like a healthy death. But the angel struck him. The Heronian dynasty fought against God. Herod Agrippa, think about this, Herod Agrippa was the grandson of Herod the Great, who ruled in the days of Jesus' birth. His uncle had a role in the trial of Jesus. Herod receives praise of men and is judged immediately because he doesn't give glory to God. To me, the scene of this at Caesarea is an interesting backdrop to strike down Herod. From my time there, the ancient city was between Tel Aviv and Haifa, along the Mediterranean. It was built by Herod the Great. If you ever go there, you have to go to the city. It was built by Herod the Great to give glory to the accomplishments of man. Let me say that again. To give glory to the accomplishments of man. It was a mindset to defy nature and therefore defy the creator. Uh, this perhaps is no more elevant or illustrated in the fact that Herod's palace, I think I have a picture that comes up here, Herod's palace included a freshwater pool surrounded on three sides by the sea. You can see the little jut out there. There's a freshwater pool, a bathtub, surrounded on three sides by the sea. So we have fresh water surrounded by salt water trying to defy nature. And this is where he struck down. Herod was corrupt. He usurped the role of God. Today, I've heard claims that the COVID numbers are coming down because we brought them down. Statements that God, does, God did not do this. Faith did not do this. Destiny did not do this. A lot of pain and suffering did it. The truth is that no faith community holds to the view that we need to ignore the facts on the ground. But we do rely on God as sovereign to help and guide us in the face of daily trials and tribulations. To boast 
about our accomplishments and downgrade the role of God in history reveals deep-rooted hatred towards our God and our Creator. Remember the angel hit two people in this passage with very, very, very different results. That being said, we need to realize that God is still on the throne. Because the word of God, because of the word of God, continued to grow and spread. As the early church faced persecution, the word of God grew and multiplied. The contrast between Herod and the church is clear. Herod believed that he had the upper hand against God's people. But God shows us who really, who was really in charge. Herod was judged and the church was blessed. The killing of James didn't stop God's plan. Throughout history, people thought they could feud against God and against his people, often claiming that God is dead. But the fact is that we serve a living God who's evident in the testimony of answered prayer. As I begin to finish up, I'm going to begin to invite the worship team to come forward. I really feel like this has been a, a journey for me on prayer. Um, as we pray, God does the impossible. He delivers. Peter is delivered from four squads of soldiers, 16 men in all, at an opportune time during the week of Passover. Not just any time, but an opportune time. People had to realize that. God increases our expectations. He hears and answers our prayers in the midst of our unbelief. Some people may say, you're just talking crazy. Have you ever had those crazy prayers that the world thinks are crazy that are answered? Isn't it our God amazing? God does more than we ask. He removes barriers. He removes obstacles. Sometimes those obstacles are self-made. I'm not good enough. Sometimes they're man-made. You'll never be, and you fill in the blank. Sometimes they're spoken and sometimes they're not spoken. We are not just called to believe in Jesus. We're called to follow him. In conclusion, when it comes to God's promises, in 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22, it is God who makes both you both us and you stand firm in Jesus. He anoints us. He anoints us.
Remember David? Not looking at her appearance. Not looking at her height. He anoints us. He sets his seal of ownership on us and puts the spirit in our heart. And why does he do this? He does this as a deposit. I like that word deposit. It means there's more to come, doesn't it? As a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. I just want to pray. Lord, we just give you praise. That you're here in our midst. That you want us to sit with you and have a conversation at two chairs. And you continue to upload your presence into our lives. We just give you praise, Lord, that you are still on the throne. You do the impossible. You increase our expectations and you give us what we did not ask for and don't deserve. Lord, we thank you that as undeserving as we are, we have favor, we have privilege because of you. In your name we pray.